Another Way to Play, episode 54. What's going on, guys? This is Eric Allen, owner of Top Rated MMA and the host of the number one MMA podcast in the Northwest in the Beard of Biz show. If you want to learn how to make the next chapter of your life better than the last, you should be listening to Another Way to Play with my friend Hans Struzina. Welcome to Another Way to Play, your wake-up call to finally make a difference by creating a life defined by freedom. This is about entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and industry professionals that have left the 9-to-5 rat race behind by taking that personal leap from where they were to where they want to be. It's time to stop going through the motions, stop hitting the snooze button on your life, and get the insight and inspiration to make the next chapter of your life better than your last. This is Another Way to Play with your host, Hans Struzina. This is Another Way to Play. I am your host, Hans Struzina, and I believe that if you trade hours for dollars, you will never achieve true freedom in your life. Today's guest is Eric Allen. If you haven't heard of Eric, uh, you definitely are going to want to listen to this because he's got a great story. He is now the owner of Top Rated MMA, uh, which is considered the number one MMA podcast in the Northwest as because uh, it highlights the best up-and-coming MMA fighters locally and from around the world. He also runs the Bearded Biz Show, which highlights entrepreneurs, world changers, and success-minded people. With guests including Ed Milet, Sean Whalen, Ken Shamrock, uh, Eric Legend, Hardcore Closer, uh, Ryan Stuman, Chris Rudin, and many more, uh, he gets into some pretty entertaining and uh practical advice on that show. Uh, You got to tune into this one. We get into some really interesting stuff here. Uh, He gets a little vulnerable to start off, talks about his uh, upbringing, his parents splitting. He was in some uh, pretty wild and abusive situations, and then how he found his way out of that by working at Starbucks. Kind of a crazy story, but listen up for that. Uh, He also uh, then kind of goes into his uh, entrepreneurial drive. He was always a fan of MMA Uh, from a very early age. He was renting VHSs with his cousin and watching them and then parlayed that into a business ultimately, uh, which started out as a t-shirt company, uh, which he then uh, branded as 100% American-made MMA t-shirts right around the time Tap Out was getting uh, popular, if you remember that brand, and then how he sort of differentiated himself in that marketplace. Uh, And then one thing that I found really fascinating that I didn't know is when we talked about a success myth, uh, he brought up that in the 120 plus interviews he's done with various MMA fighters, uh, the biggest success myth he's seen in that space, which I think is applicable to business in general, is that even though some of these uh, fighters were on hot streaks, they were on winning streaks, they were they had a bunch of KOs and whatever, they didn't think they needed a personal brand in social media. When in fact, uh, to get up to the MMA levels, to the higher levels and the better, bigger fights, um, that's exactly what you needed. And I think the same is becoming true uh, for small businesses, for entrepreneurs or people just starting out working on and building your personal brand um, is what will separate the good fighters from the great ones as well as in business. So listen up for that because I think it's a really fascinating piece of advice. Uh, before we get into the show, uh, if you're getting value out of this or any of the other shows I put out, please head over to iTunes, uh, leave a rating and review helps me with some critical feedback and obviously helps me grow the show. Uh, so I'd really appreciate that. And, uh, if you're 
willing to give me a little bit more feedback, go down to the show notes, uh, click my Calendly link and uh, get on my calendar so we can have a chat because I'd love to get to know you, uh, what it is that's working in the show, what I can do better on and uh, how I can generally just keep improving this and make it a better experience. So uh, once the show's over, head down there. Thank you in advance. And without any further ado, here is my interview with Eric Allen. Eric, man, thank you so much for being on the show today. It's I'm really excited to have you on and it's definitely an honor. Yeah, it's an honor for me. Thank you so much for the opportunity, man. I appreciate it. Uh, we've gotten a bit in your bio. You've got a lot of stuff going on, but before we go there, let's take it back a second. Let's build a little bit of context. Let's tell the audience who you are, where you came from and where your journey began. Yeah, man. I grew up in this house that I thought was a typical house. You know, my, my parents were married up until I was 11 years old. Then they decided to get a divorce and I wasn't sure what caused that or anything like that. But both my parents kind of got together with other people right away. And my mom, her boyfriend actually was extremely abusive. So I watched my mom get the snot kicked out of her very badly for about two years. And then they said it moved me to Montana uh, where it even got worse. Right. And I remember I was 13 years old and I was at the house and I was, uh, my mom and her boyfriend went out to go drink some beer or something like that. And they came home, it was about midnight. And I had this like voice in my chest or my heart that was just saying, dude, you got to look around the corner because they came home arguing. And uh, my bedroom was actually in the garage uh, because they didn't have a room for me when I moved up there. It was kind of interesting. Uh, but they, so they came home, they're arguing and I was brushing my teeth and someone said, you know, I just felt this voice saying, dude, you got to turn around. And so as I turn around the corner, to look towards the kitchen and then there's the pantry to the garage door. My mom's boyfriend was on top of her, literally punching her in the face one after the other. And the first thing that came to my mind was how do I get this guy off my mom? And so I came up and I grabbed one of those cast iron pans you would take mm -hmm. with you camping. And I just went up to him after playing, you know, 10 years of baseball, I got a pretty good swing. And I just swung as hard as I could to the back of his head. Bam! And I split his head open. And as he turned around, he was like, what the? And I hit him again, right in the forehead, split his face open. Jeez. Lots of blood. And um, he stood up. He started to yell at me, you know, like, what's going on? And for some reason, he didn't get knocked out. And I remember my mom coming out of nowhere and taking this, like, swinging like six times at his face in a row. There's blood on the wall. So the problem was my mom, she never pressed charges. And this happened, like, all the time. That was kind of the, the backstory of the craziness that I grew up with. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You you had a, uh, a pretty wild upbringing it sounds like based on that story alone and i'm sure there were others that you could you could tell us so um you grow up in this in this situation that most people would call kind of wild and kind of crazy so yeah. take us take us into the high school eric and, and and beyond where did where did that lead you yeah so i left there for montana i went back to washington to live with my dad and he rented this house uh, for me and him to live in but the problem was he would go and stay with his girlfriend so he put 20 bucks in a cup and he'd fill the freezer with hunger man meals. And then that 20 bucks was my lunch money for the week, man. And so I started to hang around these guys. It was like, Hey, let's go smoke some pot. And then it was like, Oh, do you want to take some acid? Oh, do you want to take some, uh, you know, eat some mushrooms and opiates and everything that I could get my hands on. So I was a big drug in high school, man. And when I was 18, I actually got arrested for having a bong. I had to go stay the night in Dayton County jail in Washington, had the black and white chain wow. gang outfit on bright orange slippers you know, and it was just wild, man. And I barely graduated high school, went to college for about a year just because that was the thing you're supposed to do. Mm -hmm. And then, um, you know, I left college in Tri-Cities and I, I moved up to Seattle to live with some buddies. And I had a hundred bucks in my pocket and I went up there and I, between the ages of 18 and 21, I had moved to 21 times, living wow. on different couches, living with people I didn't even know. 
uh, you know, sometimes it was friends of a friend or a second cousin, you know, and uh, wanted to get in the music business. And so I, I tried as hard as I could. Tr finally, I was working for a record store. And this guy came in, and he said, Hey, I work for Universal Record. And I was like, Hey, how do I get your job? And so I actually ended up interning and then getting a job with Universal Records uh, in my early 20s. And it, I lived, I was there for a year and it was wild. I'd open tab for a year, probably went to 150 concerts over a two year span. Wow. And um, man, it was just crazy. I, I was living this life that was just out there. I was working at Starbucks at night and I was like this depressed guy. I'd go back to my ghetto apartment, drink six beers, you know, and then, you know, smoke some pot and go to bed. And um, I met this girl at Starbucks who does not drink coffee. She came in and invited me to go to this church event. And uh, I said, yeah, sure. I'll go check it out. And then a couple weeks later, it was Easter and I went out partying and woke up at Easter morning and myself, I felt God just go, man, you're done. And I literally woke up around 20 people that were passed out in the bottom of my buddy's basement. And I said, God, you're, uh, you just take me. And I quit cold turkey, drinking drugs, everything, cigarettes right then and wow. there. And I called this girl that invited me to that church event. And I, uh, it was on Easter. And I said, hey, I just want to say happy Easter to you. I got a voicemail. Flash forward a couple months later, uh, we were dating. Flash forward a year later, we we're married. And in 2020, we we're actually celebrating 15 years in marriage. We have two beautiful wow. kids. And uh, man, it's awesome. Dude, that's, that's pretty incredible because most people come, come to the, you know, that turnaround point, not in the night or in a day or, you know, even in an instant, but over years of effort and work, like what was it that you think was so different in your, in your story in that, in that moment? Man, it was for me, I think there was a seed planted when that, when my wife had invited me to go to this church event, just to, she said it was kind of a college age hangout. And I said, you know, I didn't have any friends. So I went there and Actually, it was kind of funny because I got there and there were so many people that I had connections to from Tri-Cities and, and just from college. And so I think there was just some seeds planted in me and I was kind of aching inside for this happiness, right? I was just this depressed guy doing all these drugs and drinking and things like that. And I think it was just time to go, man, and just to let it go. And, and that's what ended up happening. And, and uh, yeah, so it's been a fun adventure. We've obviously both surpassed our, our parents' marriages. Both of our parents mm -hmm. have come from, uh, you know, they've all been married and divorced a few times. And so we're, we're kind of on this new legacy that we're leaving for our kids, man. Well, right on in congratulations, dude. That's, that's a fantastic story in and of Thank itself. Yeah. Um, but the good news for us is it doesn't end there. So you've, right. you've um, just made this incredible pivot in your life, this aimless sort of like trying to fill your time with drugs, alcohol, whatever it was. Um, all of a sudden you've got this moment of clarity. You've got called by God, like however you want to, um, however you called it. And then, and then you've, you, your life shifted into a totally different trajectory. And I heard a couple of things there. One of which was like, I, I felt aimless and I felt, um, I wasn't really sure what to do with my time and with the people I was surrounding myself with. And then all of a sudden you got some clarity. Can you, like a lot of the people listening to this show are probably feeling aimless to some degree. And that's why a lot of us yeah. listen to entrepreneurial podcasts is because we're looking for that guidance. So yeah. can you, you break down that, like that, that haziness that you were in and then into clarity and like how that happened for you. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I think it, it kind of comes or goes back to something that I, Ed Milet said, and I listen to Ed Milet a lot. He's a great guy. I've had the opportunity to talk with him on my show. And he said, you know, if you are feeling like you're walking around, like you're 85 degrees, and you go hang around guys who are 120 degrees, they're going to lift you up. They're going to lift your spirits. They're going to uh, provide you with positivity. 
But if you're walking around guys who are like in their 50 degrees or 60 degrees, they're going to make you so depressed. And that was me. I was this guy who was walking around with these dudes who were like in the 50 degrees, you know. And then when I met my wife or my now wife, um, she'd introduced me to some people that were really positive in my life. And they were just speaking life into me, encouraging me to, to get away from that. And I started to lift, you know, they started to lift me up. They were the 125ers, right? And so I got in there and then they just started to speak life. And one of them had mentioned, you know, you're with God, he's got you on this almost like a puppet string, right? And, and when you sin, he cuts the string and he reties it and he pulls you a little bit closer. And so for me, I had finally, he'd finally cut the string all the way to his hands and I was in his hands. I was giving up everything at that moment. And it was just being around those positive people and, and really walking away from people that were dr- like dropping me down into the negativity zone. Right. It, it, a, well, a great analogy because I think we can all picture that certainly. Um, on the flip side of that, like you've yeah. got these quote unquote friends, right. Who are pulling you down, but you, you know, at the time you probably called them your friends. Sure. How, how did you go about like quitting that life and quitting that peer group? And, you know, I'm sure someone listening to this is like, well, I've got these coworkers who are negative or I've got this boss who's a whatever. And, yeah. or I'm in a relationship that's just not working, but you know, it's comfortable. I know it, you know, and I'm, I, I don't want to be uncomfortable and tell people, you're no good for me anymore or whatever yeah. the case is. Like, how did you go about that part of the transition? There was some awkwardness. Um, I, you know, it, it's tough to tell your friends that you've been friends with for a while. Like, Hey man, I can't go out and party tonight. I can't go out and drink right now because I got to make some changes on me internally. I got to fix myself, man. And if I go out, it just puts me in this state of mind that, that I don't want to be in right now. And so I had to take this break away from that crowd of guys that I hung around with that really was draining me. And actually, you know, flash forward a couple of years, I'm friends with those guys still. And some of them have changed. Some of them haven't, but I just love on them. But it, yeah. for me, I had to get strong myself. I had to personally develop my mindset to be able to walk away from that and be strong enough to be able to hang around that and not feel like I'm tempted to go and go back into that lifestyle. And so for me, I just have to love on those guys. And, and again, it was awkward at first to tell them, Hey man, I don't, I, I just can't go out there right now. I can't go out and party. But they understood when I said, I'm at that point where if I go out, I'm going to keep going down this rabbit hole that I don't want to go down. I think most of us, when we're looking over the edge of taking that, uh, taking that leap or making a change, like we're worried about letting other people down or hearing some, you know, something from somebody, a negative comment, a, you can't do it. What's you're too good for us, something like that. But you're, you took it and it sounds like you framed it in the course of, me like I need to go do something for me and I I would argue probably most people who even care a little bit about you would probably respect that absolutely and that's what it was too it wasn't it wasn't about them it was never like they're bad people we just did stuff that for me personally it wasn't good or healthy for me to go that route and so once I said like hey man I gotta fix myself I gotta get better they're like dude I totally understand we'll, we'll, we'll talk soon and you know we kept in touch with the text and, and things like that and and then after once I felt strong enough which probably wasn't that long maybe six months or so of me just really meditating and, and growing close to my relationship with God and um, that allowed me to be strong mentally to be able to go hang around with him again that kind of segues me into, you know, where you're at now. So you, so you've made this big change in your life. Um, you spend a lot of time working on yourself, on your own mentality, on your own, um, uh, 
walk with God and, and all the things that you have going in your life, like where did the podcast and the business start to come into that? Cause I imagine you were, well, why don't you, why don't I ask you, where were you, you know, in your business career at that point? Yeah, I, I've always had a lot of jobs and, and I think it's just because I'm not happy working for other people. I've, yeah. I've always had this entrepreneur mindset and I'm always doing side gigs and, and trying to make it on my own and do things. And I'm, I think I'm on the right path here. I, I just turned 40. And so I'm now I've got this like new fire under my butt to go and do that. Right. You know, I, I've, I've messed around enough with stupid things. Now that I've, I got rid of the shiny object syndrome. Um, mm -hmm. And so now I, what I did was I just put this new dedication towards going to that goal at some point over the next five years. That's my goal to walk away from the job and, and be able to do that. But where top rated kind of came into this play was I've always been a fan of MMA. You know, I remember as a kid being in first grade and second grade, and that was probably too young. I'd never let my elementary kids watch the UFC. But at yeah. that age, me and my cousin, we would walk to the tiny VHS, VHS store in Prosser, Washington, and we would rent UFC one and two and three. We'd go home and watch that at a very early age, you know? And so I've always been this fan of fighting and ninja and things like that and, mm -hmm. and just martial arts in general. And so I was sitting around in 2011, 2012, and I was talking to my wife and I said, I really want to try this uh, MMA apparel thing. Maybe we can get some shirt company going. And she said, okay, cool. And she's a great supporter in everything that I do in regards to business. But she says, how do you make it different? Because at the time, Tap Out was kind of on this rise and there's all mm -hmm. these other MMA elites and things like that. And, and she actually came up with the idea of like, hey, why don't you make it 100% American made? And so we, at the time when we launched, we were top rated May, we were probably one or two 100% uh, American made MMA apparel companies across the US. And so I said, how else do we connect with people? You know, we reached out to Brian Stan, who was in the UFC at the time. He had an organization called Hire Heroes USA, which helps veterans and their families transition into the workplace, mm -hmm. with job placement and training. And I'm very like, uh, passionate about that, about the workplace and training, things like that. So that's what kind of drew me to that. And so we reached out to him and said, Hey, we'd like to give you a donation or percentage of all of the sales we do. So we actually donate 25% of all, all of our profits to that great organization. Uh, but we made a lot of mistakes in the beginning, man. We, we bought too much inventory. It took off way faster than we expected. I was getting calls about three months in from Jeremy Stevens from the USC, his management team saying, Hey, do you want to sponsor Jeremy? And I was like, well, how much do you want? They're like 10 grand. I'm like, well, I started this business with five, so I'm not quite there yet. You know, so I've yeah. had these uh, excitement years and I've had these years where I didn't really care too much about it. And so in 2017, I was sitting there going, how do I reinvent top rated? So I went and got a new website. I said, I'm going to start this podcast thing. I have no idea what I'm going to do. I literally only have a walk-in closet for space. I did my almost hundred show. Almost my first hundred shows were done in a walk-in closet with very little lighting and things like that. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I said, I want to find out with from fighters. Why do you want to get in cage? Why do you want to get punched in the face? What's the story, man? What's drawing you there? And so that's kind of how it started. And, and now we're um, about 160 episodes in. And then in January of this year, I started the other podcast called The Bearded Biz, where I talk with entrepreneurs, world changers, and success-minded people. That's awesome. I, I love that you you sort of well uh, articulated a bit of your journey, some ups and downs, and, and yet there's a focus on like, how do we differentiate? How do we take this thing that we love, that's really interesting, that's got our attention, and be different? Yeah. And for you, it was the 100% American made, and then it sort of parlayed 
a couple years later into the podcast. Right. Yeah. One thing you said uh, during the last couple of minutes that I think comes up a lot, especially in the entrepreneurial podcast, whatever space, um, is that concept of passion. And I think Mm -hmm. it's becoming a bit of a line in the sand, right? You've got (laughs) people who are like, you know, follow your passion and the money will come. Or you've got the people who are saying, you know, forget passion, like do what pays you and then go spend that on whatever you're passionate about. <laughs> yeah. Where do you fall on that line? I, I would love to monetize my podcast more, but that's my passion. And so I love being able to do it. And, and I'm, people think I'm crazy, but I get up at 4 a.m. six days a week to go work on my podcast, editing shows. I reach out to guests that early in the morning, you know, and then I, I work from home. I'm very blessed to be able to work from home for my full-time job. So about 7.30-ish, I turn over to my work computer and I work. But that 4 a.m. to 7.30, that's my time that I dedicate six days a week uh, to top rate of May and just making it better and always trying to improve myself. That's fantastic. So it sounds like you've got um, a bit of a passion that has driven you. So yeah. uh, especially with top rated MMA, but then you've got some of your other businesses that you're, that you're into at the moment. Yeah. Um, where do you draw that line between you, you mentioned monetizing the podcast, but it's also sort of this like passionate project. I, I don't want to call it a pet project cause that's probably, sure. you know, downplaying it way too much, <laughs> but, um, but you've got like, you know, like where does the sellout line come? Cause that's something that I think a lot of us who are creating podcasts or creating, you know, content in general, it's like, where are you doing it for fun and for the love of it for, or on an, quote unquote amateur level versus where are you, you know, selling out and just trying to make a buck? It's a great, great question. And I don't think I'm really trying to get out and sell out and make a buck. I think for me, it's passionate for me to be able to do uh, what I love, which is talking and building relationships with people. And again, I'm kind of that guy who just goes all in with it. I'm very passionate about it. And I'm not worried about the monetization part of it. I would mm-hmm. love to make money from it, but I'm not there. I'm not to the point where I'm like, I'm only doing this for the money. I'm doing it because I love talking with people. I do it because I love doing podcasting and doing videos and things like that. Mm-hmm. And I've been able to do affiliate marketing and things like that on the side, which kind of helps supplements and stuff. But, you know, I'm not, I'm not there. So my, my line is definitely very much passionate. The money will come when it's supposed to come. I'm not worried about that part. Right on, man. Well, I, I appreciate you breaking that down for us. So switching gears here, um, we talk a lot about freedom on this show. And yeah. and I define that as uh, both financial and location, as well as time independence. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm curious, because this is something we talked about in our pre-chat, what is your definition of freedom and, and how are you defining it? And then how are you chasing that now? You know, my definition of freedom is to be able to spend time with my family, be able to work from home and not when I say spend time with my family, I don't mean like, Oh, I'm not going to work today, but I mean, have enough income, build up my business enough so that if my kid has an assembly that are getting an award at, then I can go and just go do that. I don't have to say, Hey boss, man, can I have this time off so I can go do this? Like I want the freedom to be able to not have a boss and, but be able to build my business up. And so I think I'm on the right track. I've got some good things lined up for this year in 2020, where I'm starting to speak at live events. Uh, we're working on some other possible things that are going to be coming through, but freedom for me is not being able to, or not having to go and ask somebody if I can go spend time with my family. I don't want to miss a game of my kid 
that's playing baseball. Uh, I missed that three games last season and it crushed me. And that I think was the, the kind of the start of me just going, I'm not going to allow that to happen to it, to me again. That's, that's a fantastic catalyst and, and relative to goals. Cause I'm, I'm personally a very goal oriented person. Yeah. Uh, where do you see that going over the next, you know, six to 12 months for you relative to your, your trajectory towards that lifestyle and towards that, that definition of freedom you just gave us? Yeah. You know, I think I've set the goal for, for by the time I'm 45 to be able to walk away from my, my full-time job, you know, and I, I'm not there yet. I can't be dumb. I can't just walk away from my job at this point because it does pay the bills right now. Um, but I really feel like within the next five years, that's my goal to be able to walk away. And I've got some good things coming. Like I said, I'm doing speaking engagements. Uh, mm-hmm. My goals for this year in 2020 are actually to release 50 Bearded Biz top, uh, podcast shows and 50 top rated MMA shows. I also do a fighter shout out of the day. So 365 fighters at random across the globe get a shout out mm-hmm. from me. And that helps build my brand up. I don't mm-hmm. charge them anything. I just, I literally throw their names in a random name generator and they mm-hmm. go out every single day. And so that has been really cool for me. I did that in 2019 for the first time. And it really helped me grow my brand uh, globally uh, to a level. So I, I feel really good. Like the trajectory for me to go full time definitely will happen in the next five years. Yeah. And you, you know what, Erica, like one of the things I'm noticing here is you have spent the last couple of minutes talking to us about things that you were into and ways that you're taking that and then providing value to somebody else. The fighter shout out's a really great example of that. And I want to kind of point in on that for a second, because especially in the content creation world, like we're on Instagram, we're on Facebook, we're on our podcasts. Uh, It's really hard to sort of break through that noise, especially when you're starting out. But, uh, especially when you're starting out giving high level of value with the thing that you're into in a very genuine way Mm -hmm. is a fantastic way to start. And I, I talk about that with some other people relative to, you know, if you want to join a real estate team, I'm in real estate. So, you know, figure out a way to, to benefit the team leader so that they'll have you on the team. You want to build a community in the MMA world, shout out the fighters, you know, talk to people about their stories, you know, whatever that is, like find your value proposition to those people and just provide it without asking for much, if anything in return. And like you said, I think the money and the, the rest of it will start to come. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a huge blessing for me. I've been able to connect with a lot of the local promotions where I'm at up here in Coeur d'Alene. Humbly, I've been considered the number one MMA podcast in the Northwest. And so, um, you know, that's, I love that, that that's a title. That's great. uh, But it's, it's certainly not something that I'm like, Hey, I, I, yeah. Right. You know, um, but it's, it's cool to hear that. And I I love to be able to talk with fighters. Like I said, um, I literally just have this database of fighters I've built over the last year, probably have about 500 fighters in that database that I randomly pull every day. That's fantastic. So shifting a little bit to some, some advice for the audience here, success myths. There's a lot of information out there, especially in the podcast space, but in, in general um, about success you've talked to a lot of fighters, some that have presumably been quite successful, some that maybe haven't. Like what in that world is uh, one of the biggest success myths that you've ever heard? You know, I've heard, so guys are in these fighters and they think that they're on this hot win streak uh, and they just think they're going to be in the UFC someday. The problem is 
that I've talked to over 120, 130 fighters now on my show, different fighters. So I've had a few on there a couple of times, but a lot of these fighters, they don't know how to market themselves properly. So they come on a podcast and they're like, yeah, I'm going to be big. I'm going to be a UFC guy. And the problem is they're, they're not on Facebook. They don't have a Facebook page. They might have an Instagram or they might have a Twitter, uh, but they don't have all three. They're not really properly marketing themselves. So, um, you know, just, they think that just because they're on a podcast or just because they're on a win streak, they're going to go into the UFC. And unfortunately that's just not the way it goes in the fight game. That's really interesting. I would not have thought that marketing yourself as a fighter would have been a critical piece of that. I thought like, you know, your win loss record, your KOs, you know, how, how the promoters like you, all that stuff would have mattered more, but you're saying that you have to build a personal brand to, yeah. to really get noticed and get up into those other upper echelons. Absolutely. I mean, even promotions, they want a fighter that's going to be able to promote them. And if they don't have a Facebook page or they don't have an Instagram page to promote that, that fight night, they don't want them on the show. They're, they're not going to get sponsors if they don't have social media up top notch. Even for me, when I'm looking for fighters that are going to be on my show, I typically try to find guys that are pretty active on social media because selfishly, I kind of want them to share the show that I've had with them on, right? And so if I have them on my show, I hope that they're going to share it. And the guys that are out there being more active with social media, those are the guys that I tend to lean towards and say, mm -hmm. Hey man, you want to come on my show? I love to hear your story. And I don't want anything from them other than like, Hey, if they share it, great. If they not, or if they don't, then I'm not worried about it, but uh, they should. Cause it's more for them. You know, of course, that's a really interesting myth. It's like, it's the, the skills of winning fights, let's just call it that, isn't yeah. the thing that is necessarily elevating these people. Of course, you got to be able to deliver when, when the time comes. And in right. this case, you know, win a fight. But there's so much more to telling that story nowadays because our, our worlds are just so freaking bombarded with messaging and texts yeah. and, you know, pings and bings and all this stuff. Right. Um, so breaking through that noise with a brand that, that means something that's a, you, you were actually the first person to bring that up. So thank you for that. That was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. For you personally, um, as a business owner, as a podcaster, uh, how are you going every day and pushing yourself out of your comfort zone? Like, talk to us about that for a second. Yeah. You know, for me, I, I was really scared to tell my story, which I kind of told at the beginning of the podcast here, my childhood, you know, my drug addiction, my alcohol addiction. I was really scared to share that. And I think throughout the years I've gotten better. I've always been in sales. I've done 20 years of sales. So it's kind of opened my comfort zone to things, but I'm still kind of, you know, shy when it comes to talking to new people, at least I was up until a couple years ago. And now I, I, I really try to connect with people online. And then out when I'm walking around in town, if I see people, I like to just talk to people. I love to spark up conversation, especially if people are at stores and they have a name tag on. I love calling people by their name because that's what they're for. They're not just for people to like get their name and go like, bitch to the manager, right? Like mm -hmm. they have a name. I always say, Hey, Bob or Jim or whatever their name is. Hey, thanks for the day, man. Or thanks for helping me out today. Right. And so I really try to step out of my comfort zone and do that. I also have a big thing with thanking uh, first responders and police officers and those in uniform. So me and my wife, if we see somebody in a uniform, armed forces or anything like that, we do a very, very good job of going up to them and saying, Hey, thank you for your service. My kids who are in elementary school, they know that when we see somebody, they're like, Hey, there's a police officer. We'll go up and we'll say hi. We'll say thank you. And so that kind of helps us get out of our comfort zone. And it just has opened up a lot of doors. 
That's really awesome and practical advice. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Uh, man, Eric, we're getting towards the end of the time and I want to respect your, the rest of your day here. Um, but I do have a question before we get into the final segment to, to transition us here. Yeah. Um, you've been building this personal brand for a number of years. You've, you've did the t-shirt thing. Now you're doing two podcasts, um, not just one. And uh, you're, you're building this personal brand. Can you talk to us about a failure that you experienced along the way? and and why you're glad it happened and like what you learned from it uh, a big failure that's happened to me i was 21 years old i was twenty eight thousand dollars in debt and i had to file bankruptcy and that for me sucked but it helped me it. learn a lesson right like i had my car repoed um i literally what i was doing is i was going to money tree and i'd borrow money to pay for bills and then to pay back money tree i'd go to the next money loan guy so i could pay the money tree back and i got this crazy streak and it, I was horrible with money. And um, man, I learned my lesson. I was able to file bankruptcy, living out in Seattle, got rid of all that debt. But to the point where even three years afterwards, I had to have my wife co-sign for me just to open a savings account. Like couldn't even do that. You know, and so I'm uh, very blessed now to, to say that we're 100% debt free. Very, very good financially. My wife is, it's all her. She, she's the smart one when it comes to money. And yeah. so I rely on her on a lot of things. But um, that for me was a big blow in my early 20s. And, you know, I think that helped me be structural strong. That helped me be stronger in my business and looking at money and not spending money on dumb things. Sure, I've made mistakes. I bought t-shirts or overbought inventory or things like that. Mm -hmm. And I still have a heat press. I press my own shirts, but I've learned to not press them until I sell them and things like that. So that's helped me to really look at my business in a whole different view. But being 21, filing bankruptcy, not only was it embarrassing, but it really sucked for me to even just try to get back into the banking game, you know? Man, well, thank you for being vulnerable and sharing that because not everyone wants to talk about, you know, financial failures, let alone just business failures. Yeah. Um, but and, and, and I'm glad it rounded out for you in a positive way because you, you got to pull something out of those moments. Otherwise, they can just keep pulling you down. Yeah, absolutely. With all of that, uh, I'm going to transition us to the focus five, which is the last five questions I ask every guest on every show. Are you ready? Okay. Absolutely. Right on. First question, what book have you gifted most often? Max Out by Ed Milet. That's a fantastic book. Uh, if you could get an hour of somebody's time, past or present, live or dead, and ask as many questions as you wanted, who would that person be and why? Tony Robbins. Uh, that guy is a genius. And, and Ed Milet, Tony Robbins, those are my two big guys that I really rely on. They've been around forever. And um, they just, Tony Robbins is that guy that's my bucket list to go see and talk with him. And actually a funny story, I was here at Costco and I had my top rated MA shirt on. And this old couple stopped me as I was putting groceries in. And they said, hey, is, do you have a jet out at the airport? And I said, I don't think so. And they said, well, I saw a jet with your logo on it. And I said, I don't know what you're talking about, dude. <laughs> and so then like they left and I'm like, wait a second, let me look at uh, Google Tony Robbins. And sure enough, my logo is almost the same as his. And he had it on his jet and he was here in town. So it's kind of funny. <laughs> oh, that's really funny. Well, yeah, I've been to a Tony Robbins event and it's, it's pretty wild. You, you definitely have to get to one of those. I can't wait, man. That's on my bucket list for sure. What is one thing that you believe that most people would disagree with you on? I think you just have to love on people. You know, it, for me, it doesn't matter if you're Democrat or Republican, whatever you believe in. I, it doesn't matter to me what your sexual orientation is. 
I just believe in just loving on people, man. It's not, I'm not the judge. It's not my job to judge people. And I think if you could just love on people and, and not judge people and just love them where they're at, wherever that is, man, I think the world can just be a lot better place. Appreciate that, man. Um, give us a glimpse of your morning routine. You already talked about you waking up at 4.30, but how, how do you actually spend those hours? Yeah, so I get up at 4 o'clock in the morning and spend some time in prayer. Um, you know, that's really important for me to be able to hit that and, and, and just really meditate on uh, things that are going on, my prayer life, what God has blessed me with, you know, things that I've got coming up and, and really just putting those at his feet. And then I drink a lot of coffee. Um, but then I come up here to, right. And so, uh, I, I have about 24 ounces of coffee, big old cup. That's what I drink in the morning. And, and so I come up here to the office right after that, man. And, and I have my music going. I'm very big on music. So I don't like silence. So when there's music going, it helps me to really focus and I can really go from anything from country to metal. Right. But if there's music playing, then it helps me to really focus. And I, and I deep dive right into the emails to my website and then just start reaching out to guests and, and doing editing uh, for shows because I do release shows on Fridays and Saturdays. So it keeps me busy in the morning. Right on. Well, appreciate you walking us through that. What is the best place we can connect with you online the most? Absolutely. Thank you so much. Um, Instagram, top rated MMA. My personal is Eric G. It's E-R-I-K-G Allen. And then Facebook top rated mixed martial arts is the page. And then also the bearded biz uh, on Facebook. Same as Twitter, Eric G. Allen, and Top Rated MMA. We'd love to connect with as many people as we can on social media. Also, Top Rated MMA's YouTube channel. We'd love to have uh, build up some subscribers on there. Again, we release shows weekly, Friday and Saturday. And then I also upload you know reviews and funny videos and things like that to that uh, page as well. Right on. Well, Eric, man, appreciate you. I'm going to drop all of that down in the show notes. So if you're cool. listening, you want to connect, just head down to the show notes. All of what he just said is going to be there, um, as well as obviously the podcast information for this show. Um, Eric, man, appreciate you being on. Thanks for giving us some time and uh, have a good rest of your day. Hans, thank you so much, man. It's been an honor and thank you for the opportunity, man. I really appreciate it. And that wraps it up for today. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you want to get social or get connected uh, with Eric Allen, I've got all his uh, links to YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, all of that down in the show notes. So go check him out there. He's got a lot of cool stuff going on and definitely someone you're going to want to watch out for. Uh, while you're down in the show notes, uh, just remember my Calendly link is there. I'd love to connect with you as well. So if you're willing to give me some feedback, give me a few minutes of your time uh, so we can just chat. I can get to know you, get to know how uh, to make this show a little bit better um, and, and generally what's working, what's not, all that good stuff. I'd really appreciate that. And if you wouldn't mind taking just a minute or two, if you're getting value out of this or any other episode that I'm launching, because uh, I do this for free, uh, head over to iTunes, leave a written rating and review. It really helps me uh, gain that feedback I'm looking for as well as helps me grow the show. Uh, so without any further ado, guys, I'm going to sign it off. This is Hans Strazina, host of Another Way to Play. And remember to make every chapter better than the last. Thanks for joining in for this episode of Another Way to Play, making the next chapter of your life better than your last. For more insights and inspiration to help you make that personal leap, be sure to engage with Hans on social media and get your questions answered right here on the show. Reach out to Hans at ChiefSNAH on Instagram, and we'll catch you on the next episode of Another Way to Play.